0: I'm Dennis Tubergen, and this is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Glad you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me in segments two and three of today's program will be Harry Dent. Many of you recognize Harry as a returning guest and a multiple-time best-selling author. Harry has been a prolific author on markets and the economy through the years. And I'm going to get Harry's forecast for stocks in 2022 and let you know what it might mean for your IRA and 401k. And again, that's in segments two and three of today's program. Now, I'd like to invite you to visit the website, requestyourreport.com. And when you go to that site, all you have to do is give me your name and address, and I will mail you the January special report absolutely free. Now, this report is a little bit different format on a little bit different topic than you've seen from us in the past the report is titled the changing face of long-term medical care it talks about the cost of care who pays and most importantly gives you some alternative strategies to protect yourself so again the january report is titled the changing face of long-term medical care to get your copy all you need to do is visit the website requestyourreport.com and Give me your name, let me know where to mail the report, and I'll be glad to do that at no cost and with no future obligation. You'll also get some bonus materials when you request the report, including a copy of my best-selling book, Revenue Sourcing, which contains a retirement planning strategy for the post-pandemic economy. So, Very timely information, all yours for free. Just go to requestyourreport.com. You know, one of the themes that I often talk about here on RLA Radio is the fact that history repeats itself. Human behavior is predictable, and therefore, when faced with the same set of facts and circumstances, people tend to behave similarly. And even more predictable is the collective behavior of groups of politicians. However, this segment doesn't give me time to visit that topic. Now, back in 2011, I wrote a book called Economic Consequences. And in that book, I not only forecast that the quantitative easing program that the Fed claimed was temporary at the time, I I forecast that it would turn into a permanent program. I also forecast it would be a slippery slope. And now, 10 years later, almost 11, we are now sliding down that slippery slope in earnest. However, the other thing I wrote about in that book was how easy money policies put forth by the Fed actually provides fuel for the markets. Now, if you go back to the mid-90s, and I talked about this in the economic consequences book, then Federal Reserve Chair, Alan Greenspan, reduced interest rates and in our fractionalized banking system, When interest rates are reduced, it encourages lending and all new money in our system is loaned into existence. So, as a consequence, from the mid 90s through 2000, we had this bubble in stocks. And a stock that really epitomized this bubble was a stock called pets.com. Now, some of you may remember the white sock puppet talking dog that was the mascot of Pets.com. In fact, I believe it was the 1999 Thanksgiving Day Parade, there was a balloon of the Pets.com mascot. There was a Super Bowl ad featuring the Pets.com mascot. Now, interestingly, Pets.com went public, raising $82 million selling their stock initially for $11 a share. Now, despite a recognizable mascot, despite a lot of money in advertising, despite a successful initial public offering, nine months after the stock was initially offered, Pets.com went bankrupt and its stock was selling for 22 cents per share. Why? The company, Never made a profit. Now it seems that we're heading down this same road again. There was an article written by Harris Kupperman on this very topic. And while he brought up uh, many different stocks, one of the stocks that he points out is Peloton. Now he tongue in cheek referred to Peloton as the overpriced clothes rack with a built in iPad. For those of you who are not familiar, Peloton is an exercise bike. It's an exercise bike with a lot of different options, to be fair. Now, here's what, here's what Mr. Kupperman wrote about Peloton. He said, we just witnessed the best possible six-quarter environment that the company will ever experience. The whole world was locked down. Gyms were closed and work was canceled. People literally sat at home, bored out of their wits, armed with massive government stimulus checks, and they were fixated on buying stuff. Despite every possible tailwind, Peloton lost $189 million in the year ended June 2021. And in the most recent quarter as the effects of stimulus wore off, Peloton lost $376 million. Now, another good example is, uh, of this is the ARC Innovation Exchange Traded Fund. Now the ARC Innovation Exchange Traded Fund has gotten a lot of press because they've outperformed the NASDAQ and that outperformance recently uh, has really come to an end. Now, when you look at the stocks that make up the ARC ETF, you have companies like Teladoc and Zillow and Spotify and Beam Therapeutics. All these companies have negative earnings. They're the Pets.com, possibly, of 2022. Now, ARC Funds also contains Tesla. Tesla's selling for a price-earnings ratio of about 350. It includes Roku, which is selling at a price-earnings ratio of 96. However, it's fair to say that all these stocks are growth stocks, many of which do not have earnings. Now, if you go back to Mr. Kupperman's article, he calls this sector of stocks that have low earnings or negative earnings, the Ponzi sector. And the Ponzi sector defined is, a Ponzi scheme rather defined, is that new investors pay money to pay off old investors. And while that's not exactly the case, Kupperman makes the case going back to revisit Peloton as to what's going on. See the most recent capital raised by Peloton had stock selling for $46 a share. The shares are now at $39 and everybody that bought shares at $46 is underwater. Kupperman asks a very valid question. Do you think these same investors will step up as aggressively for the next down round? Probably not. In my view, there is a lot of risk in the market today. If you take a look at the Buffett indicator, which takes the total value of stocks and divides by gross domestic product, stocks are more overvalued now by a wide margin than they were at the peak of the tech stock bubble, which featured stocks like pets.com. So again, to what I said at the beginning of this segment, human behavior is predictable we are headed down this same path a couple decades later. And my question is, what are you doing to protect yourself? If you still have stocks in your 401k or IRA, you might wanna take a look at the revenue sourcing strategy. If you'd like to do that, all you need to do is visit our website, requestyourreport.com, request the January report. I'll also send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book The website, again, is requestyourreport.com, and the January special report is titled The Changing Face of Long-Term Medical Care. It also provides some alternative strategies for you to consider to protect yourself. So, again, to get the report and all the bonus material, go to requestyourreport.com. Let me know where to mail the report and all the bonus material, and I'll be glad to do that. I'll be back after these words with Mr. Harry Dent. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I have the pleasure of being joined once again on today's program by returning guests and multi-time best-selling author, Mr. Harry Dent. Uh, Harry is graciously offered to give our listeners a free subscription to his newsletter. All you need to do to claim it is go to harrydent.com. That's harrydent.com. And Harry, welcome back to the program.
1: Yeah, nice to be back, Dennis.
0: So Harry, the Fed has recently changed their narrative about inflation, saying it's going from transitory to persistent, and they have said that they are going to now begin to taper. Do you believe them? What's your forecast for Fed policy moving ahead?
1: Well, you know, you know, it's crazy in a way because they're 100% creating this. I mean, I've got a great inflation indicator. It's worked for decades. It says inflation should be... One and a half to 2%, heading down towards zero to 1% over time. And yet, here we are at 6.8%. And January 12th, we'll get an update that's likely to be higher. How could they expect anything else when they've printed $5 trillion since COVID? Talk about an overreaction. So, this is this inflation with the inflation in the 70s. Was not, we were not printing money back there. We were running deficits, which governments will run in difficult times of so recession, inflation, stuff like the 70s. But, but this is, total, this inflation is about five points higher than it should be, five percent points. It, and it's temporary in the sense that it's not going to last, but it's going to last as long as the, as the economy keeps going with all of this monetary stimulus behind it. The only thing that's going to knock out inflation is for us to have a stock crash in a downturn in the economy, which I'm predicting is likely to happen in the first half of this year, actually the first, I think in the next three months, somewhere between early January here and April, we're going to see a top. I, I'm, this has been building, building, and the cycles get more difficult as we get into late 2022, 23, the worst since 80 to 82 in, in, in my analysis. So I think where this is a showdown between central banks and say we won't have a recession no matter what we'll print unlimited amounts of money and that unlimited money printing causing now inflation pressures that now force them to taper to some degree and i'm telling you this economy has been stretched since 2009 you know this boom should have been over in 2007 we had the big crash they've been printing money exponentially ever since and then COVID, they just went off the charts and, you know, five, you know trillion trillion, you know, just in, in the last year and a half, two years, that just is crazy. So so this is going to have – we're going to have to wash out these government policies. They're just going to keep printing exponentially more until it fails. And so I think the next crash – My and my results are very similar on this, too. I've I analyzed every bubble in the last 100, 150 years, every major stock bubble, the first crash – comes twice as hard as the bubble built, and it is forty six percent on average in two point three months and and my indicators are showing this crash since we've we've kind of stretched it farther and higher is going to be about fifty five percent. Just the first two or three months, we could see the s p go from forty eight hundred to two thousand to twenty two hundred just in the first couple of months. So I'm telling people you're better to get out a teeny early here. And not hold on too long here. And I do think that we're either topping here in early January or by early April at the latest. And, and then this crash is going to come faster than any in history because the, the real weakness, again, in, in my analysis over time with demographic and technology cycles, which are really clear by the way, very projectable, with the weak periods were 80 to 82 just after the peak of baby boom spending, 2008 to 10. So we cut off that downturn. It should have gone longer, deeper. And since we cut that off, we're going to have to have a deeper downturn now um, into 2022-23. So those are the weak periods. By the time we get to early 2024, if we have this write-down in debts and, and, and let the economy, these financial asset bubble, uh, basically devalue, <laughs> deflate, then we'll be ready to boom again with the millennials boom period, which will be 2024 to 2037. It will not be as big. It will not be as long as the baby boom, boom, the greatest in history from 83 to 2007. But that's when the demographics will turn in our favor. Until then, all the fundamental trends are down, and it's just about this money printing defeating itself. And I think this is getting ready to happen.
0: So, Harry, I've asked many of my guests this who uh, – who also say, I mean, we all know that currency creation can't continue forever. So when you say that this money printing will fail, can you share with the listeners what you think that looks like?
1: Well, well, you know, it, it's just diminishing returns. Number one, it takes more and more. This is the true of any addiction of any type. doesn't matter whether it's heroin or coffee or, or, or alcohol or anything else. It's the same thing there's natural forces with people, generations enter the economy predictably, like the baby boom, made it earn and spend more money as they raise their kids and advance in their careers. You get a boom, that's natural, then you get a slowdown. The problem is, we did start to crash and slow down in 2008, as I forecast decades before it happened, not years, decades. And then, you know, central banks just said, well, we can't have recessions. And, and so they just Pumped up the economy. We've never deleveraged all the bad debt. There's 23% and growing of large public companies. These are not small businesses. The large public companies cannot pay their debt service. They're zombie companies. We need to flush all this out, quit pumping up this economy, let it let it go to sleep. Okay. You know, what do we do? You know, you know, we, we're awake for 16 hours and we sleep for eight hours. And I sleep a little less, but that's the cycle. We now have had the longest. Full market without a recession or 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 a you know a rest and recuperation period in all of history. It's going on you know eleven and a half twelve years now. So this is unhealthy. And second point, more important, the major boom ended in two thousand and seven, as I predicted years decades before. In other words, we've been they've been keeping an economy going that would naturally have been slowing as it did in the 70s and in the 1930s. Every generation spins and then slows. So they're fighting a downtrend with totally artificial stimulus. And the result is we get these unbelievably inflated asset prices and real estate, stocks, commodities, even gold. Gold is in the biggest bubble it's ever had in history. Gold is going to crash with all those. So So you get inflated financial assets that have to crash. And, and, and the recession they've been putting off will only hit harder when it hits. And, and I'm saying the only way the government gets defeated is what my analysis shows historically. When a bubble crashes, it's hard and fast, and they will not be able to react fast enough. I think when investors see, and this is what I'm predicting, in the first half of this year, whether it's the first quarter or the second quarter the latest, you see stocks crash 50 to 55% in 2 to 3 months and that's when investors will finally say, "Oh, this something for nothing money printing which we kind of really suspected but you know it seemed to be working so we, it doesn't work and then people lose faith and then they can't come and say, "Oh, well we're going to print more this time." They're going to look like idiots if they do that. So I think the government defeats itself here and and common sense would tell you if you think you can grow an economy now going on 11, 12 years with fundamental trends weak just by printing money then, you know, you need to look at your thinking. You know, that that's magical thinking. It just doesn't happen. And this is going to prove itself.
0: Harry, you brought something up that I think a lot of uh, analysts miss, and that is that, um, you know, we've got to go through this deleveraging period. You mentioned that 23% of public companies can't pay their debt. Um, I read an article recently that worldwide debt is a mind-boggling $300 trillion. So when you start to yeah. look at debt levels today compared to – Debt levels versus economic output during the Great Depression. I mean, it seems to me that debt levels are much higher today, and eventually, you've got to pay the proverbial piper. So, what do you? How do you see that playing out? And and, and maybe talk a little bit of timing, if you dare.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is exactly the point. And, and I'll give you another number. It's five hundred and forty trillion if you add up financial assets. So debt bubble, which you just mentioned, about three hundred trillion globally. You know that that's like you know. Uh, five times GDP, okay, or something like that, you know, and then but but debt bubbles also inflate financial asset bubbles, more debt just causes more money and more money printing by governments to sustain the kind causes financial assets to go even more everything, you know, real estate, gold, uh, stocks, everything. And then those bubbles have to collapse. I mean, if a young person, let's say somebody in their 30s is saying, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, my career's going along, and, and my kids are getting a little older, I got to start saving for retirement. <laughs> they have no chance of making a decent return with stocks overvalued, like like the baby boomers did and stuff. So if we're going to get back in balance and people are going to be able to invest for the future, long term again, and we not have escalating inflation, which is happening now. This inflation's not going to go away as the Federal Reserve was saying, oh, this is transitory. It's not transitory as long as you keep printing money and pushing economy that's already stressed. The inflation will go up, and and it will burst. It's already going to burst this bubble uh, against the Fed's thing. So the Fed has basically created their own trap. They keep, print, keep printing money exponentially, even in the face of the COVID crisis, which they way overreacted to. Now they're getting inflation, which means oh my gosh, they can't justify keeping printing money when inflation's going straight up. So if they don't keep printing money, the bubble bursts because it needs exponentially more. That's the nature of all bubbles and addictions. It's a something for nothing. You want to feel good, drink a quart of vodka, okay? Anybody will feel good for a few hours after that or shoot some heroin or drink enough coffee. You know, that that's just – this is something for nothing stuff that never pays off. We are addicted to money printing ever since the 2008 9 crisis. Why? Because – governments and central banks would not accept deleveraging debt. So what that 300 trillion needs to come down about in half, about half that debt needs to be written off for us to get healthy and be able to grow again. This financial asset bubble's 540 trillion needs to come down half or more stocks and bonds so people can invest and get decent returns again, especially the young generation coming up now. Baby boomers are already mostly retired. Investors, So we have to get back in balance. And what we're doing now is the opposite. Just printing more money, stretching the economy. And that means when it blows. I, I'm saying, Dennis, my latest prediction is 2022, which we just entered, this year from the highest point, probably about now in the stock market or soon, to the lowest point will be the biggest one-year downturn in all of history, including 1930 or 31 or 2008. Or you know, or the worst years in history. This one because we pushed it so hard, this crash will have to come harder and faster because we've stretched it. So so I'm. <laughs> this is a time to be weary, and and at least get safer for the next few months because this is the most dangerous period I've seen in this whole process. This market is is getting ready to blow. I, I give it three months at most, and 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 already have peaked. That that. At, at,
0: Harry, in a few minutes a couple minutes we have left in this segment uh, before we started recording today's segment uh, you mentioned that you and uh past guest here on the program as well peter Schiff are having a debate do you want to tell the listeners about what you're going to be doing
1: yeah yeah that's yeah that that we we did that last year and it's very popular so we're doing again january 19th at 4 p.m eastern you can register for that at debate 2022.com so yes yeah, that's coming up. Uh, in a few weeks, and 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 that's always fun. Peter Schiff and I, by the way, both have moved to Puerto Rico and live in Puerto Rico. He's in a different community than I am, but uh, the the <laughs> the temperature here is more moderate than Florida. People don't believe that, so they get here better. You know, they got mountains and waterfalls, and the taxes down here. Oh my gosh! I mean, the the tax incentives they've gotten. Puerto Rico's always losing people to the U.S. since they're U.S. citizens. They can move freely and they do for better jobs. So they're incentivizing gringos, as I call them, people like me and Peter, to move down here and establish their business and work from here. And I mean, literally the lowest tax rates you're going to get anywhere legally. And I mean, purely legally sanctioned by the IRS. So uh, I'm very, very happy down here. And I'm sure Peter is too.
0: Well, and just to uh, add to that comment, as we are recording this today, I am sitting in West Michigan in the middle of a winter storm. So uh, (laughs) that said, uh, we will return with Mr. Harry Dent after these words. Stay with us. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. I am joined on today's program by Mr. Harry Dent. Uh, Many of you recognize Harry as a prolific author. Uh, he's had uh, many, many books on the bestseller list—really too many to mention. Uh, Harry has graciously offered to give our listeners a free subscription to his newsletter. All you need to do to claim that is go to harrydent.com. The website again is harrydent.com. And Harry, you know, back in the in the first segment, you talked a bit about cycles, and you know, when you when you first mentioned cycles, when we first. Uh, uh, chatted with each other many years ago it really made a lot of sense to me because human behavior tends to be predictable so for those listeners maybe that aren't familiar with the whole concept of cycles could you educate them briefly
1: yeah you know what What i did i tripped on this when i was i was i come out of harvard business school and i started consulting the fortune 100 company hispanic company and that was a great job but the companies were large and cumbersome and boring and so i ended up after two years going and doing the same thing with small new ventures and companies in California. And that's when I really saw the future because new companies are innovating the new technologies and products of the future. And more important back then in the early eighties, they had the young baby boomers, the new massive generation as their customers coming along instead of the older Bob Hopers that the fortune 100 back then had. So I got to see, I had to, for my clients back then, I had to start researching the baby boom generation and I'm like, oh my God, nobody sees this. This is a this generation is huge, the largest in history, it's global, and they're going to cause the greatest boom in history. And back then in the 80s, everybody's acting like, yeah, the 70s were terrible. The U.S. is a sunset nation and we'll never see great growth again. And I'm like, oh no, folks. But it was that insight I saw the baby boomers coming. Now, they peaked in 2007. And I said that from the beginning. It's a 46-year lag for peak spending, something that's highly quantifiable. Now it's about 47 for the millennials, moving towards 48. But I predicted that we would peak in 2007. We did have the biggest crash since the early 80s, the bottom of the last cycle in 2008 but that's when central banks around the world panicked and just started printing money crazy I mean they they just went straight to the hair okay well we just got that we're not feeling good so we're gonna have to start shooting crack and heroin that's pretty much what they did I'm, I don't want to be too facetious but that's exactly what they did this is not good policy this this is you never win by something for nothing you you the way you win what I would do as a government if I saw too much debt like the other day I would give companies, I would say we will take some percentage of your pain. We will give you some kickback if you reduce your debt and pay off your debt or, or renegotiate your debt. You, We have to get this debt down. We built up the greatest debt bubble, as we talked about earlier in the first segment, in history. And the, the millennial generation, and they know this, they're dead if we don't deal with this. If they have to just inherit the baby boom's debt, as the baby boomers retire and die, these people are, are, are in trouble. And so this, I, I look forward to the downturn. People say, what are you, a sadistic? No, this is exactly what the economy needs. We need a, it's called a detox. You know, We need a detox of unproductive debt. And literally, when I say zombie companies, it was 21% a year ago. It's about 23% now. These are not small businesses. These are the large public companies, 23 percent cannot even pay their debt service, which means they're technically bankrupt and they're being kept alive and not being forced to reduce and renegotiate these debts uh, because of this easy monetary policy. So th- we're living in la-la land, and I'm telling, I'm saying it ain't going to last much longer. Protect your assets while you can, because I'm predicting an 87 percent crash roughly in stocks you know, 50% even in, in 40, 50% even in a lot of corporate bonds, you know, with higher yields and stuff. Real estate down 40 to 50%. People say, I can't go down that much. Last time in 2008 crisis, real estate went down 34% more than the Great Depression when it went down 26%. We didn't have a real estate bubble and easy mortgages back in the roaring 20s. So real estate didn't bubble as much as stocks. Well, everything. This is what I call, Dennis, the everything bubble. Stocks, real estate, most bonds, except for the safest, highest quality treasury bonds of the US government and AAA corporates, all financial assets are going to go down. You've got to get safe for the next two years, 2022 through 2023. It's the danger period. After that, we should be able to recover with the millennial generation. But between now and then, uh, the risk only goes straight up. And then this this is a once in a lifetime crash. So it would be And if you're late, remember what I said earlier, half of that crash or more will happen in the first two to three months. And history 100% proves that. Every major bubble burst in history, half or more of the entire 60 to 90% crash has happened in the first two to three months. So if you wait to see if I'm right, you get smacked so hard you don't get off the floor.
0: Well, my guest today is Mr. Harry Dent. Uh, if you'd like to get his free newsletter, you can visit harrydent.com. And Harry, as you were talking about stocks. Uh, you know, I've I've been thinking about this, and you know, it reminds me a lot of what we've seen, what we saw really at the time of the tech stock bubble. You had a lot of dot com companies that had never made a profit. They they sold stock in initial public offerings. The stock went nuts, and uh, like Pets.com was bankrupt nine months later. Now you've got a lot of technology companies that uh, are following the same pattern. It seems like we're repeating the mistakes of 20 years ago.
1: Well, you know you know it's mistakes and perception. We don't understand the process. New companies we have a lot of the internet companies like Amazon that are giant today, were little startups in 97, 98 in that first tech bubble. So they came on top of the larger tech stocks, new tech stocks emerging but but people overvalued them. And guess what crash knows? Amazon went down 95% in that crash. The, the, the Nasdaq went down 78%, but the leading edge stocks like Amazon. So now we have the crypto stocks and Bitcoin and all these things and Ethereum coming up. That is the early stages of the next technology revolution, which I call the digitization of all financial assets and money. The internet Made information and knowledge, knowledge easily accessible and tradable and manipulatable. This is going to do it. Financial assets. This is in the early stages. The internet stocks crashed in their baby bubble, 2000 peak down to 2002 crash. So the crypto stocks and the leading edge technology stocks are going to lead this. You're right. This is exactly what you just said. The second major technology bubble. I mean, you, you see this once in a lifetime. You'd have to go back to late two, you know, uh 1918, uh, 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 20 peak, and then the 29 peak, and then the Great Depression crash to see this sort of thing. So this is rare, but this is happening now. This is the second bubble, and it is the last bubble. And whatever crashed in 2008, nine stocks, real estate, this crash will be deeper and harder. So it'll be worse. Stocks went down 58 percent last time, 87 percent. Real estate went down 34 percent last time, 40 to 50 percent. That's what I'm predicting. And it is the second. This will be the last bubble. And if we don't get this, if this bubble doesn't crash, we'll be like Japan limping along forever. Japan never really dealt dealt with their debt bubble uh, and, and stopped, and never really deleveraged debt. And they've never, ever grown again.
0: So Harry, in the time we have left, let's talk a bit about the cycles uh that, that you you follow. Uh talk about just maybe a, a couple of the cycles and, and and what they're telling you and if you know they're confirming what you see in the in the markets fundamentally.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. And the the you know the the easiest to understand and primary cycle is the generation spending cycle. You know, enter the workforce at age twenty, spend the most money at forty six. Now for the millennials. That's still entering at 20, but spend the most at 47, moving towards 48. So very simple, okay? So the 83 to 2007 boom was that cycle, and we would have been in a downturn ever since 2008 if they hadn't printed less money. That's why they've had to print money, not just for a year. They just thought, oh, this emerging will print for a year. They've had to continually print more money because the trends are still down through 2023, okay? 2024 going forward, that cycle turns positive again with the millennials. The other important cycle is the technology cycle, and longer term, that is even more powerful. Technologies make us smarter and more productive, just as aging does up to a point. The technology cycle peaked around late 2019, early 2020. So many years after the tech, the the, genera- uh, the generational demographic cycle. Now both cycles, 2020 forward. Both cycles, the most critical cycles in our economy in long term, are pointing down. And that's why they're having to print exponentially even more money. It wasn't just COVID, it's the fact that now the technology cycle and in the tech companies are now uh, in a down cycle. And, and there's really no fundamentals left to push the economy up. So that's why I say the crash is most likely to occur into late 2022, probably be the worst crash year in, in history. And we don't come out of that with a hangover until late 2020 through early 2024 or early. So the next two years is the next great crash after the second bubble in everything. Remember, the first bubble in stock 2000 was just stock. Real estate hadn't bubbled yet. Real estate first bubble in 2006. Gold did not bubble yet. So every here's the difference with this final bubble, Dennis. Everything, gold, stock real estate, all financial assets have bubbled and are peaking almost simultaneously here. So uh, I'm just telling you both, get out of the way of this. Be safe, not sorry, especially in the coming months. And if I'm right, you're going to see this thing start very quickly and then you stay safe for the next few years. And then we'll be telling you when to get back in, but it's probably going to be around late 2023, early 2024.
0: So Harry, if I'm reading it correctly, and we have time for this, this one more question here. Then you're saying you want to be in very conservative assets, uh, cash or cash-like assets, despite the fact that we've got inflation, because you believe this uh, when this bubble bursts, that in- inflation will just be in the rearview mirror. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. Okay. Two things. And 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 cash will at least preserve the money you have. You take it out of assets that will certainly fall in this crash. But it's better thing. History shows. The 30-year Treasury bond, that is the safest bond, the largest government, the safest government. Yeah, we got problems. Yeah, we got too much debt. But we got less debt than Japan and China and Europe, our competitors. We're the best house in a bad neighborhood. Our Treasury bonds, the safest bond, will actually appreciate because we've locked in, let's say, a 2% interest rate. In a downturn where those interest rates will go to zero or negative, and that bond will appreciate, history shows, as it did in 2008 and in the early 30s, the worst crashes, those high-quality Treasury bonds. And I will add to that, Dennis, AAA, only AAA or AA corporate bonds will appreciate in this downturn any bonds with any risk will have default risk, outweigh the deflation that helps them, and stocks, of course, crash. Some sectors more than others, but all stocks will crash. So you, so the, the Treasury bonds, long term, 30-year is the best. TLT is an ETF that combines 10 and 30-year Treasury bonds, so it's average 20. That's the second best and the easiest. Those are the safe havens and even better than cash. But if, but people just sitting in cash, especially if you listen to Peter Schiff and me and this debate we have coming, if you're not sure which of us is right, cash will do well in either of those scenarios.
0: Well, we're going to have to leave it there. My guest today is Mr. Harry Dent. You can get his free newsletter by visiting harrydent.com. Harry, always a pleasure to catch up with you and get your perspective, and I'd love to have you back down the road. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Dennis. We will return after these words. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates radio program. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Glad you're listening in today. And thanks again to Mr. Harry Dent for joining us on today's program and offering his perspective as well. If you weren't with me for the first segment, I have a brand new January special report for you titled, The Changing Face of Long-Term Medical Care. Uh, the report will give you some alternative strategies to consider to protect yourself. And when you request the report, I'll also send you some bonus information, including a copy of my best-selling book from 2020, titled Revenue Sourcing, the Retirement Planning Strategy for the Post-Pandemic Economy. So to get all this information, all you need to do is visit the website, requestyourreport.com. The website again is requestyourreport.com. Just let me know where to mail all the information and I will be very glad to do so at no cost and with no obligation. In this segment, I wanna talk to you a bit about the case for a bubble. You know the revenue sourcing book gives you some strategies that may help you deal with a bubble that is unwinding but I think there's a very strong case to be made that fed policies have created another stock market bubble and another real estate bubble and that's following on the heels of what Harry Dent talked about in the last two segments Now there's an indicator that is often used to measure the valuation of stocks. It is now called the Buffett indicator because Warren Buffett at one point in an interview stated it was his favorite way to value stocks. The indicator is really simple to construct. All you do is take the total value of all stocks, the total value of all shares in the market and divide by economic output or gross domestic product. So. It's market capitalization, the total value of all stocks, divided by gross domestic product or total economic output. Now, interestingly, if you go back to 1999, and I talked about the tech stock bubble in the first segment, just prior to the market collapse beginning, which incidentally was a more than a 50% decline, The market cap to GDP was 180%. So in other words, the total value of stocks was about 1.8 times economic output. I want to give you some perspective on that 180% number. Historically speaking, the average is about 65%. So stocks at the tech stock bubble were not quite triple the average valuation, but they were very close to it. Now, if you move ahead to the financial crisis and the stock market correction that started in 2007 in about July and finished in March of 2009 over a 20-month time frame, we saw that this Buffett indicator was about 130%. Total market capitalization divided by economic output said that stocks were worth about 1.3 times economic output. Now, to fast forward to today, there is a Bloomberg article out this past week that says we are now at nearly 232%, 231.72 to be exact. So total stock market value divided by economic output is now 230%. That's about 30% higher than it was at the time of the tech stock bubble. And it's 100% higher than it was at the time of the financial crisis. But now there is another measure that we can use to determine if stocks may be overvalued. It's the Schiller's cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio. Well, if you go back to the time of the financial crisis, that number was about 28. That number is today about 38. So it's 35% higher than it was at the time of the financial crisis. These two indicators that have historically told us when stocks were overvalued are both flashing the same signal. They're both sending the same message. They are telling us that stocks are likely overvalued. Now, what about real estate? Well, one of the most commonly used metrics to determine home prices is the Case-Shiller National Home Price Index. Now, at the time of the financial crisis, which really was brought on at least in part by real estate values inflating due to some subprime mortgages and and other types of creative financing, well, the Case-Shiller Index, just prior to the housing market falling apart, was at about 175 today it's at about 274 so it's about 100 points higher it's 35 to 40% higher than it was prior to the last housing market decline and to give us more evidence that perhaps the housing market is ready to peak along with the stock market the average rate on the 30 on the average 30-year fixed mortgage hit 3.33% last week That's from CNBC as of January 5, that's up about a half a percentage point from a year ago, and applications to refinance are down 40% year over year. So there's a good case to be made that both stocks and real estate are in a bubble. I would argue that at best, we could say that there's probably a lot more downside than upside in both stocks and real estate. Now, again, as I close this week's program, I'd like to invite you to get a copy of our January special report, as well as a copy of the revenue sourcing book and some bonus information. It's all free. All you need to do to get it is go to the website, requestyourreport.com. The website, again, is requestyourreport.com and let me know where to mail that information. And I'll be very glad to do so. Again, the website, requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week, but I'll be back again next week.